This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Front Office Features, where we have actually the first time ever a three-headed guest with us. So engage uh, the CEO, Daniel Hennis, the president, Jake Olson, and the COO, Noah Schwartz. Guys, welcome to Front Office Features. Thanks for having us. So we had a conversation uh, probably about two weeks ago about your business and what you do. And I'm fascinated for a number of reasons. One, of how this all came to fruition and how it all started. So no one can tell it better than you guys. I'd love for you to just tell our listeners what is Engage, what do you do, and how did this come about? Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to tell sort of basically at, at our core, um, Engage digitizes the process of booking talent for anything they enjoy, whether that means booking talent to speak at a corporate board dinner, booking talent to play a round of golf or buying entries to a talent sweepstakes or tickets to their pop-up event. We basically make it super easy um, to make money, do for talent to make money doing what they enjoy. I can let Jake sort of hit on the founding story a little bit, but that's the like elevator pitch of our business. Yeah, and that was, that was Daniel for the listeners, by the way. Um, yeah. And this is Jake, just, you know, so people aren't wondering. But I am uh, Jake, the president of Engage, and I am completely blind. When I was eight months old, I lost my left eye due to cancer and then fought that cancer for the next 12 years and finally lost my right eye to that cancer, um, becoming completely blind. And around that time at the age of 12, back in 2009, uh, ESPN kind of picked up on my story, did a little college game day feature of me with the USC Trojan teams. I'm based here in Southern California, so grow, grew up a huge Trojan fan. Um, based on kind of that publicity, and just my stories in general, people wanted to kind of hear hear me talk and hear my story. I never really planned on in getting into public speaking, but that's that's how my childhood went and continued to do that for the next really uh, up, up now till, till present in the next 10 years, but um, throughout high school. And once I got to college, my parents who had, you know, been kind of my managers who would travel with me, would feel the request, set up these these speaking engagements. Uh, they kind of no longer wanted to kind of be in that role from the standpoint of they both work, they were busy, but also, you know, I'm going to college, I'm growing up, um, you know, I don't want to be a 25-year-old still, don't let my mother hear this, but, you know, I don't want to be a 25-year-old <laughs> still traveling rock with my mom. She still comes to them, I, 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 I still do it, but I wanted to kind of be a little more professional in that way. And so I was looking for a manager type um, kind of role and uh, someone who could help me in that. And sure enough, very fortunately, I met Daniel. He was one of my random suite mates at USC. And uh, I guess I should mention that I also 
going to USC, walked on the football team as, as one of the first completely blind um, football players in, in college football history. So he definitely had his plate full with me and publicity. And I kind of turned over the ropes to him, seeing how he would handle that. And sure enough, he handled like a pro. Um, he set up my first speaking engagement in college and went seamless, uh, seamlessly well. And, and he handled all my PR and just kind of went and became my right-hand man. So by the time I snapped for the first time in the Coliseum my junior year um, and we got flooded with requests, his plate became even more full and and, and he almost yeah. dropped it. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> I but, drop a lot of real plays. Jake had use for like the two things in the world that I can do. Like, yeah. thank God, thank God my job for him wasn't carrying actual plates. Otherwise we would have had a problem. But we started looking for a way that Daniel could make the process much easier. You know, not, not how to... First, I think our, our main priority was just how to field out these weird requests that were coming yep. in via my sister's Facebook messaging. And just, you know, people are, are reaching out in a hundred different ways. You don't know who's real, what what people's intentions are. Like, how do we feel that out? And then also just, again, an easier way to make the process of someone who is legitimately looking to book me, um, you know, get those questions answered, get the payment, um, you know, down at, at, in, a, in a more timely fashion instead of, you know, sending checks out and trying to fax over paperwork and everything. So that's how we came up with Engage and it's, and it's grew, grown from there. And I know we'll hit on that, but that's how we came up with the idea of let's get a digital platform out there that helps, again, digitize this whole process of people looking for you, finding you, submitting requests, you knowing as someone um, that's on the other side is real, that they're coming to you first or not using some middleman that's going to cut you out of the, you know, 15, 25% of the deal. Like everything is very transparent, honest, and just in your control as talent. That's first of all, I mean, you have two, these are two amazing stories for, for a number of reasons. One, the stuff that you've overcome on your personal side, but the fact that you guys at a certain, at a young age in college had the wherewithal to recognize that this was a business opportunity. I mean, one of the things we talk to, most of our listeners are generally around your age and we encourage people like you need to do something. This industry requires you to get off your butt, show that you have the passion, show you have the capabilities and just do it. Just talking about it and saying things is one thing, but being an actionable item is another. So how did you guys early on start putting this all together as a business, right? You, you were getting the influx of, of right. opportunities, but how did that all of a sudden evolve into a business? Yeah. I mean, I think a few things. One, with any startup, it is fundamental to understand that luck is going to play a huge role. Um, so we sort of started having this idea um, around the same time I picked up a second client, Ryan Harris, who played in the NFL for 10 years, played for the Broncos, won a Super Bowl. So I picked him up as a client. So I was like really, really overwhelmed. So we brought in Noah to help manage things and, and keep you know track of all the media requests and everything. But we started to sort of form this idea. And what happened was we're like, okay, we know there, there needs to be a better way to do this. What happened was one of the guys right after Jake snapped, one of the guys who reached out to book Jake was this guy named John Shigarian. Um, who runs a company called ERI, largest recycler of e-waste in the country. And John had seen Jake's story and wanted Jake to like speak at his company board dinner that December. So that would have been December 2017. Um, so basically we said, yes, sounds great. We invited him to have lunch with us in November before Jake was speaking. And I was like reading through his bio as I was going to like pick him up in the parking lot to take him to lunch with Jake. And I called Jake and I was like, Jake, first words out of your mouth need to be about this business idea we have because I bet you everything he invests on the spot. Um, and sure enough, we sit down, we sit down at lunch with John and he asks Jake, you know, what are you passionate about? 
And Jake's like, well, you know, I'm really excited about this business we want to start. And John goes, do you have any investors? And Jake goes, no. And John goes, well, I'll be your first investor. How much, <laughs> do, you, how much do you need? Um, and has gone, I mean, to this day, he's invested so much more than he initially pledged, funded our entire platform, lawyers, accountants, marketing, all of that, like literally just at lunch on the spot committed, which we would later learn is not what raising money is actually like ever. No, that um, is that is a that is a uh, very different story of venture capitalism at its finest, right? Yeah, and, and we learn that later. But you like Daniel Sugar Daddy, yeah, he's yeah, like he he took care. I mean, literally, like that funds my livelihood. Um, but no, he was just he believed in the vision. Um, so it's a combination. You have know, just like uh, I think we'd be remiss. I mean, especially someone's asked me the other night, like. I'd be remiss to not realize how lucky I was to have the freshman year roommate situation I had. So like, yes, you know, a lot of hard work goes into it. It takes a lot of resilience. Um, but when you're lucky, realize it, jump on it, um, and do everything you can to maximize its value. No, that's great advice. Cause there is a lot of luck that comes in everything we do. It's, but it's sometimes that luck is created by effort and attitude after that, right? Like you're set up for success, but you still have to take that success and run with it. And Noah, you're, you're, on the website, you're deemed as the Swiss army knife for Engage. How did you end up, where did you fit in? You're not a roommate. Were you guys friends? Yeah. Like, how did that come together? Yeah. So, um, I kind of fit into this story, um, a little later on. So, um, I got to campus a year after Jake and Daniel, um, I was a freshman and when they were sophomores, um, and you know, as a, as a kid growing up, the only thing I really cared about was sports. Um, I was extremely passionate, um, and knowledgeable, I would say in the industry, Daniel and I, uh, will go back and forth about, you know, who knows more about, uh, you know, sports or can name more players or all that kind of stuff. Now we say we go back um, and forth. I say it's just factually me, but like, sure. We're not going to have yeah. this conversation yeah. now, but yeah. as for a later date. Um, but so I got to campus as a freshman and the first thing I did literally the first week at, at USC is I joined, uh, the sports business association, uh, in the Marshall school of business. Um, and they have this structure there where they put together committees, which run events um, where that are student run. And Daniel and I happened to be on the same committee, um, my first semester freshman year, his first semester sophomore year, and we immediately hit it off. Um, I'm a huge baseball fan. So is he. Um, we have some split allegiances, though, as I'm a huge Dodgers fan and he is a Cubs fan. So we kind of bonded over the Cubs uh, World Series win that year. Um, you know, watch the games with them, all this kind of stuff. Um, and, Dan and Daniel then introduced me to Jake. Um, and we all kind of became friends quickly, started to, you know, hang out more often, um, just spend more time together. And as I got to know them, um, I really got to understand, you know, what they do, what Jake does for, or what Daniel does for Jake, excuse me, um, and kind of how this industry works. Um, and from there, my role really evolved um, from somebody who, you know, Daniel and Jake would come to, um, you know, to kind of fill, you know, anything extra that they have um, into, like you mentioned, a Swiss Army Knife style role. So I would be doing in the beginning, um, anything from like idea creation to profile build out to, um, you know, really, you name it, social media production, I would go with we would go with Jake and Daniel on different events, just to be in the room and be an extra set of eyes. Um, and then as the platform really evolved and, and came to fruition, my role really became um, more clear in talent. Um, so now um, with Engage, I am the head of talent as well as a COO. So spend my time 
really working with the people we have on the platform to develop these unique activations that we put together, like uh, the Martin Luther King sweepstakes that we'll get into later on. Um, but also just to, you know, keep people um, engaged, for lack of a better word, and excited about No, the that's platform. not the lack of a better word. No, that's your word, yeah, right? That is that's, the word. It there. is the word. It is the word. And it's, you know, we have to use it sparingly or else it becomes repetitive. But it, uh, it is the word. So we, um, you know, for keeping people engaged on the platform and keeping people interested in what we're doing and also being, um, you know, really moldable and flexible. Um, that's one of the big things that we work on with talent is, you know, being a platform where you can make money um, as a talent doing what you like to do. It doesn't necessarily have to be speaking. It doesn't have to be sweepstakes. If you're somebody who solely likes to do, you know, rounds of golf with corporate clients, you can do that through Engage. And so we really like to get, and or me specifically, I like to get to know the talent that we have on the platform through calls and emails um, so that I can really feel like I can help them craft story, craft the best monetization pattern on Engage um, and really go from there. But yeah, that's my story um, and kind of how I fit into this whole uh, this whole fold. I mean, this is this is all absolutely fascinating to me because the, the part of it that you guys are running this company and what it's evolved into started as college students who obviously have no idea what you're doing because how could you? You're in college. Still, like, that's why you're in college. <laughs> still have still have no idea what we're doing. Still, right. and, but, and yeah. the the fact that you were able to to take all of this information and then learning and just do it on the fly. People ask us all the time, like, well, what should I do? I'm like, you just got to start doing it. And as you go, it'll evolve and you'll learn like the way this podcast yeah. started, yep. the way this podcast started was like, I don't know, let's hit record and see what happens. And just right. it goes from there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll get into the talent you guys work with. What has been like, what was, what was the Rocky parts? Like, let's talk some about that. The challenges each of you face oh. while starting this up Jesus. in college. Yeah. Before yeah. you got the resources, like what 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 challenges have you guys overcome? Not so much recently, but where were you like almost like, uh-oh, like we're in trouble here, guys. Yeah. I mean, I'll take this one first and then I'm sure Jake and Noah are going to have a lot of thoughts. Um, so for me, I actually started my first business when I was a junior in high school. Um, it was an online scheduling software for businesses with hourly employees. Complete tire fire. Um, like just obviously I knew very little in college four years earlier, like knew even less, um, but went through that process of sort of learning like how hard things can be that I was very fortunate, put only my own money and didn't want any friends or family or anything. So that sort of gave me a little experience um, coming into this. But I think one of the things you have to like realize if you're going to start a company, right, is it's like, it's, it's an all encompassing thing and it's really like not super glorious to start. And I still even feel that way. We're like, it's just like the, the like waking up at 2 a.m. with like night sweats and ideas are real. And like we were really lucky to have investors with us from the very beginning. But also we had investors with us from the very beginning, which means we had expectations. We had goals we had to meet when things weren't happening. So I think like for me, at least the hardest part of it was the, the pressure I would put on myself and the fact that like other people, you know, especially when you're starting up, they're going to do things on their time and they're going to do things slowly. So it was just like, I'm not a very patient person. So understanding that it was going to take forever really to gain traction, to get people to use it. And, and all of that was, was stuff I, I severely underestimated. I mean, it's a, it's a brutal thing. Like I always say, if by some miracle we build and sell engage, and I think every day we get closer and closer to that, I, uh, I have no desire to ever start a company ever again. Yeah. <laughs> like, like none. Yeah. What a ringing endorsement to go start your company. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've loved this journey. I loved this journey. 
I will do it once. Like it's been a blast, but I, mean, I will I do got, it once. I got money on the other side, but yeah. Yeah. Jake, what what about you? What challenges did you see when you guys were going through this where you were like, oh man, like we gotta fix this or else we're gonna this will be gone real quick. Well, again, since this is uh this this is you know gonna be recorded and, and published out there so we can listen back to it. I again I wanna be on the record stating that Daniel will indeed start another company at one time in his life. Um, <laughs> yeah, you might end up on freezing cold takes there, Daniel. <laughs> I, I, I will not. Everyone thinks I'm like addicted to this and I'm not. It's just like what's <laughs> happening. I'm just not. I don't know. But um to answer your question you know, I think, uh, to be honest, there's a couple things. Ken Daniel touched on a little bit in that people definitely will do things on their own time. You you constantly have to kind of, of be playing offense and deal with a lot of BS and wasted meetings and wasted people and just kind of have to go through all those hoops. You know, there's going to be there's going to be one or two meetings that really get you moving forward. Um along the path to success, but there's going to be to those two meetings, another 20 that really were just wasted times. And you can't really sit on those too much and think about them and feel bad or feel like it was a waste of time. It just, you know, you, you got to learn stuff from there. You got to understand, was it your fault or was this person just not, never going to be a fit? Um, so I think there's a lot in that. I also think, which interestingly enough, uh, you know, when you go to any business school, I'm sure I can only speak to Marshall, but you know, they, they do talk a lot about how to be part of a team and how to use that team, um, everyone's talents, everyone's, you know, personal preferences to best fit the business. And I really think there's a lot of businesses that uh, go under or just really don't yeah. maximally because they are not able to really help people in their own personal, you know, with, with each person in their own personal way to best help the business. And so I know for us, a lot of it I was took some figuring out. Yeah, it was. And, and even with investors and just trying to figure out, hey, how, what's the best way of communicating disappointment? What's the best way of communicating something needs to be done? What's the best way of, of asking people to do things? I mean, just all of that, you know, it's like a relationship. I, you know, it's, it's obviously not a romantic relationship, but it's, it's the same way in that, you know, you are constantly with this person and you are having them do stuff for you and you're doing stuff for them in, in kind of this overall picture of trying to run a business. And just like a normal relationship, there needs to be very much cooperative communication and understanding what people's love languages are and how to get them as best motivated to do their job. That's yeah, no, that's that's it's fascinating because um, I mean, most of the folks that end up working in sports aren't starting their own business. Some do, but the majority end up working for an organization of an agency or a team or a league. And it, or a property in, in that regard. And it's just, it's it's very interesting to hear you guys talk about the ups and downs of a sports business that you've started from the ground up and what, what's come across and how you have to persevere through those things and how you have to kind of approach it a little differently, right? Because it's yours and yeah. everything relies on your day-to-day yes. uh, movements. Yeah. Noah, so I was going to ask, Noah, real quick, you, you're the, you said you're the head of talent? Yes, I am. So I am fascinated by the list of athletes that you guys have under the umbrella that started obviously and branched off from Jake. I mean, we got we're talking Hall of Famers, we're talking celebrities, yep. we're talking Bo Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Adrian Peterson, Justin Verlander, Cal Ripken, David Ortiz, Chris Bosch. Like, how the hell To I know To's. I want to ask about more about To too. Love how do these keep coming to engage? Who are you working with? I know you guys are a booking agent for Octagon and all those other, but how do you keep adding more and more people to the engage uh, 
portfolio? Yeah, great question. So um, I actually would love to rewind quickly because my answer to the previous question sort of struggle um, actually fits into this one. Because I was going to say one of the things that we struggled with early on was just adding more talent to the platform, getting the word out there to different individuals. Because as Daniel was mentioning, we like to work fast and everybody else doesn't didn't work as quickly as we did. So coming to terms with the idea that, you know, we're not going to go from Jake to 1700 talent overnight. It was going to be a long process. It was going to be grueling. Um, so that was one of the struggles that I at least felt um, in the very beginning. Um, or And even, you know, moving into pre-pandemic times, the couple months leading up to the pandemic, um, you know, a lot of the names that you see on the platform now, like you were just mentioning, the Aaron Rodgers is the Chris Bosch, those people, um, they weren't on the platform at that point. And we actually used, you know, the availability of agents of talent in this industry during the pandemic to our advantage. Um, and so, as you mentioned, um, the partnerships with guys like Aaron Rodgers and Chris Bosch came as a result of their agencies. Um, we have uh, now strong relationships with um, over 40 um, sports and entertainment agencies across the country, you know, ranging from the biggest ones like CAA and Wasserman, all the way down to some boutique agencies that have some really personal relationships with their guys. Um, and that has been our primary form of talent acquisition um, over the last year. Um, and so, you know, we've been really, really happy uh, with the results and with the general acceptance of the platform. Um, and it's also just kind of shown to us that, you know, this isn't an endeavor we were working on, um, you know, that didn't have any grounds. This was something that people had felt that people, you know, had experience in the industry. And when we started to sort of ask the questions, you know, what do you do currently when somebody, you know, submits a request for your talent to speak? What does that process look like for you? And we were able to quickly find that, uh, you know, the touch points, the pain points that Daniel and I or myself and Jake were feeling very early on were felt and are felt by other talent in this industry, which really gravitated um, or ended up gra having these people gravitate towards the platform. So, um, you know, we were able to really um, add these people through my, the majority of cold outreach. Um, Daniel and I, uh, we like to say we have no email fear. Um, there's nobody we won't reach out to. There's nobody, you know, that we feel like, you know, will shoot us down. And even if they do, that's the worst thing that will happen. Um, and so, you know, we really reached out and got a lot of these people onto the platform through through cold outreach, some warm intros, and then and then building and growing those relationships from there. So how did, is the, I mentioned TO, TO is listed as an advisor uh, along yes. with Ryan Harris. How did the TO relationship come about? Yeah. Yeah. So, T go yeah. ahead, Daniel. You can take yeah, that one. I'll take that one. Um, so basically Terrell came about one of the, you know, sort of early people who jumped on board and influencers who embraced Jake and what we were doing was Ed Milet. Um, and Ed's a big business influencer podcaster. And he happened to know Terrell personally. Um, so he was like, you know, I think Terrell could really like what you're doing. And he, he did. I mean, we talked, we, we, Terrell, I would say was the first big name person to come on board and absolutely want to do things with us right away. And he was just, I mean, from the first call with him, so thoughtful, so creative coming up with ideas for events. I mean, we did a, we did a sweepstakes where people could enter and have the chance to ride bird scooters around Santa Monica with Terrell Owens. Um, we teamed up with bird for that. Like that was his idea. Um, so he's always been creative been thoughtful and just, it's been really cool to see, you know, an NFL Hall of Famer 
like rooting for us and wanting to support us in what we do. So yeah, and I think uh, to add to that, uh, and Noah can speak to more more to this, and even I can. But you know, one of the reasons why we have such good relationships with our talent and why things kind of move so seamlessly with talent building out, you know, different sweepstakes or pop up events or doing different types of things with us is that we are all about them and we're not like forcing, you know, this deal on this company came to us and we're going to force you to do like, what are you passionate about? I know Noah touched on this, but like, what are you passionate about? What do you like doing? And it's amazing to see how many of these guys, no matter how big they are, what their following is, what they've done in life, you know, everyone likes just to do what they're, what makes them happy, what makes them tick. And uh, for us to kind of help them monetize that, like Terrell was just so easy and, and friendly to work with because he more than any of the people that actually got a ride with bird scooters with them had the most fun out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he's probably, um, the most, you know, I, I maybe misrepresented is the wrong word, but he's seen as this bombastic, you know, outspoken guy where he's in all the conversations and interactions we've had with him. He's extremely thoughtful. Um, he's intelligent. He is well thought out and developed in everything that he likes to do. And as Daniel mentioned, the creative side of TO is really what led us into, or TO's creative side is really what led us to, you know, developing this sweepstakes side of the platform. We had never done or really even come, you know, fully flat to a fully fleshed out idea until TO came to us and said, you know, hey, this would be super cool if we, you know, could partner with Bird Scooters and put something together. And that was the springboard for us into a really, you know, profitable side of the business. Um, and so, yeah, we, we owe that to TO and, and continue to work with him, you know, across the board on things that we do. It's one of the things that outsiders and fans, like when you're on the outside and you're a fan, you don't think of these athletes or celebrities as real people, right? You just think they're on these different levels and they have no interest. But what you find out is you get to know them and you break down those barriers. Some people like fishing, some people like hunting, some people like playing video games, right? And you want to align that with whatever you're doing for whoever is looking to book these athletes because you don't want to put the person in an uncomfortable situation because it works out for nobody. Right. Exactly. exactly. You're hitting it on the head. Yeah. So the the other thing we all talked about when we, we first spoke was, and I didn't learn this more in my time at DraftKings, the the cost right to book some of these athletes and celebrities and superstars is not what people think can you guys dive in without i don't have to divulge every single yeah, say, financial I'm detail to, i'm not about to throw prices out there and assign values <laughs> but no i think it's look it's it, it goes back and forth i mean we'll we'll have offers come into our platform where we'll be like wow that is way more than that person needs to do something like this or on the flip side where it's like you're not going to get an nfl hall of famer to show up for two grand. So like it goes both, both ways, but I think what you're hitting on Chris is important where it's like, if you are booking talent to do something they like to do in the right setting in the right event and asking the right amount, you know, from their time, whether it's virtual or in person, it's a very doable thing. And when we were starting the platform, the truth is, you know, there are a lot of companies out there, you know, they already know their agents. They have hundreds of thousands of dollars to spend on sports. Those aren't really our target clients. Our target clients are, you know, great companies, companies like AIG or Bank of America that have, you know, 10 grand to spend on a speaker, you know, once a month or even HP, which has 20 or 30 grand, you know, all these companies. Right. But they don't have the direct sports agency contacts. So they don't even know that these people are available. They don't know how to book them. So we sort of created a platform that just would make it easy because half the battle is understanding that these guys are available and willing to do speaking and like sharing their stories. Um, So I think that was 
where we were really able to provide value, right? Agents have 24 hours in a day. They need to be focused on, you know, on-field contracts or TV deals or massive product deals and endorsement deals. And we carved out this niche with helping companies understand that there's a huge market in the speaking space, the one-off appearances space, that sort of niche is where we established ourselves. Yeah, I just love to add something really quick as well. Um, that's I, also what you were hitting on there is um, also why we developed um, our model as submit a request the way we did versus, you know, having a talent list of price um, on a lot for a lot of these, you know, individuals, you know, using TO as a great example. Um, if you hit on, as Daniel was hitting on, if you submit a request to him, you know, with something that he is passionate about, something that, you know, resonates with him and it works for talent across the board, you know, like you mentioned, these are normal people. Um, you, they, they have this celebrity appeal, but when you break down those barriers and you hit on something that they're passionate about, you know, they're going to want to commit themselves to it. So instead of having a, a, a pricing model where you're like, you know, you can book Bo Jackson for $50,000. Um, you know, Bo might not be willing to do anything under $30,000, $20,000, $15,000. But if somebody has something in mind for an organization that he's passionate about at a date and time that works for him, you know, he might be willing to do it. So submitting to him that request, you know, facilitating that process, um, you know, is really, is really what we believe sets us apart um, versus, you know, having sort of just a set price, set value there making that um, somewhat unattainable to some people. And I think while we're, while we're naming out prices, I think, Dana, take, you got the dinners like 20 bucks, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm always available. I mean, honestly, just for the free meal, like I should list myself. Yeah, Daniel, I was looking to try and book you on this website. When are they going to yeah. put you up there? I'm a very interesting person, you know. I've got a really good story of lucking into everything with my freshman year roommate and then growing from there. If somebody wants to uh, understand how to win the roommate lottery, I'm happy to uh, happy to explain. Well, I think you're you're underselling it a little bit, but yeah, that's <laughs> you're CEO at a very young age, buddy. That's a pretty good accomplishment. I appreciate that. By default, the two sweetest words in the English language, but yes. <laughs> So what have you guys done, obviously, in the past year to pivot? I know you mentioned just virtual. Yeah. Have, have companies and organizations been looking to have virtual type uh, opportunities and speakers with, with all of your talent? Yeah, absolutely. So the pandemic, just as an overall thing, the pandemic is the time in our company's history where I was most thankful to have the investors and guidance that we did. Um, because I think when March 1st hit, right, we were building a really good rhythm really good momentum. It was going to be our best revenue month just by far. And then from March 11th to March 13th, literally every single thing we had booked was canceled. Um, and I remember kind of having that, I don't know if I can swear. Can I swear? Is that? Is yeah, go ahead. No, I remember having sort of that like, oh shit moment for lack of a better word, where it's like, I don't know what we're going to do. How am I going to explain this to our investors? And I'll never, ex I'll never forget like one of our largest investors calling me right at the beginning. It's like, look, don't worry about the money right now. We just closed our seed round. We have free office space. We got lucky on timing. Just go out there and control everything you can control. Um, and for us, that was acquiring talent, reaching out to people, establishing agency partnerships. So for the month of March, that's really what we were focused on. Having like being the CEO of a company without pressure to generate revenue is the most stress-free job ever. Yeah, not bad. Um, not bad like, at That all. was the most empowering. So we just went out there and went gangbusters on acquiring talent, um, more than quadrupled our talent base. And then we started to realize that like, look, we'd already established ourselves as this virtual tech 
forward thinking platform. So we started getting aggressive and pitching ideas to talent, whether it's for sweepstakes or virtual events. Um, and then we started, you know, our CMO is really smart guy. He started realizing, you know, we can, a lot of our competitors who were really hurting, you know, we can run Google ads, we can run LinkedIn ads, we can still afford to play offense. So what we're seeing right now actually is, is, you know, the average virtual price is lower, but we're seeing the same, if not more demand for overall events. Like we just posted, I think what will end up being like our, our best month ever for revenue this past January, um, completely virtual because the pandemic forced us to like explore other verticals to really, really push on the sweepstakes side of our business, which has been a, been a huge growth driver for us. And just like, it was a time where as, as somebody who starts a company, right, I think the first thing everyone needs to understand something I talk with Jake and know about all the time is, you know, there's so much that we don't know. Um, there's so much that we don't know. And we're lucky to have an incredible group of investors and advisors who have been through things before, have seen things happen. Obviously no one's seen COVID, but have seen pandemics, have seen tough times, understand what to do and how to adapt. And I think I'll, I'll always be thankful um, for the guidance we got and were given during that time period. Because to be honest, the pandemic ended up being one of the best things that could happen to our business. No, that's that's a it was a great approach for you guys to, and especially like you mentioned, having having advisors to set you down that path. Because yeah, at any point for any company, when you hit a pandemic, who the hell has a playbook for that, right? Right. You're trying to figure out what do I do, but to have someone assure you, look, this is all you need to take care of, control what you can control. Even if you didn't have the issues with money or whatever, it's it just changes your perception of how you wake up every day and what you do to attack that day. So, uh, I want to talk about the Martin Luther King. Um, yes. so we, we, you guys briefly, we didn't, you didn't spoil it for when we first talked. So right. tell me about this, how did this come to fruition? It sounds like an amazing like opportunity that you guys created. Uh, but whoever wants to speak to this would be great. Yeah. I mean, this was a real team effort, so I'll start, but, um, basically the idea came about. So got to know his chief of staff, Jennifer Gold, who's wonderful just uh, for speaking stuff. Cause we don't work with just athletes for the speaking side. Um, and as you might imagine, Martin Luther King III is pretty in demand as a speaker. Um, so that's how we originally got introduced, but just got to talking to her about, you know, bigger things we were working on, ideas. And, you know, she mentioned that Martin is really focused on reinvigorating the Drum Major Institute, which was founded by his father. Um, and Martin now runs to carry on his father's legacy of, you know, nonviolent protest and civil justice, social justice and, you know, civil rights. And I was sort of like, Jennifer, you know, what if, Noah and I could get a bunch of athletes to all simultaneously launch sweepstakes, you know, giving away Zoom calls, autograph prizes, to launch sweepstakes where people would enter and the athletes would donate all the proceeds to the Drum Major Institute. And then on April 4th, the anniversary, you know, of Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination, we could host a virtual roundtable style discussion um, to sort of bring awareness to the Institute, to continue the conversation on social justice to give these athletes a platform. And she was basically like, yes, go for it. So from there, Noah and I just, you know, got to work reaching out to a ton of agents. I mean, Noah can sort of touch on that a little bit more, but worked on getting people on board, explaining the vision. And yeah, we're very pleased with how many agents wanted to be part of it. Yeah, I can expand upon that a little bit as well. So we, uh, after sort of that initial sort of brainstorm with Jennifer, um, you know, Daniel and I sat down internally and really just expanded the idea into what it's become now um, and, and, and put our heads together to think, you know, 
who would be interested in this, which of our talent base, you know, should we start reaching out to first? We prioritized, you know, we, we, we listed it, we, we created lists, we, you know, we created timelines, all that kind of stuff. Um, and this was by far, you know, the, the biggest campaign, the biggest idea um, that we had put together thus far. Um, and so one of the things that I think as a team, um, we did really well and that we have done really well up to this point is that we gave ourselves enough time to really execute this to the best of our abilities. Um, and so in late, uh, in late 2020, we started reaching out to our talent base, um, sort of notifying them about this idea, fielding calls with anybody who was interested, starting to build example sweepstakes, example landing pages for individuals so they could see actually what it would look like. And, you know, because of the, you know, uh, you know, the innovative side of our platform, you know, we're able to hide all of that and make sure that talent can just see it and talent can play with it and mess around with it before a consumer even is, uh, you know, exposed to it. So um, we were really able to give talent an immersive experience, show them what it would look like, how it would work. And then from there, um, uh, in early 2021, you know, we sort of finalized our initial launch list and developed uh, a social media and a promotional plan um, using, you know, the talent social media, the talent's reach, um, as well as, you know, sponsorship and uh, promotional partners that we could reach out to to hopefully, you know, promote the event and get it out to a wider audience. Um, so one more thing that Engage does um, that's a little bit, you know, maybe different than some of the other, you know, players um, or people that or companies that exist out here is we help our talent um, when we're doing an activation full scale. So we'll put together, you know, mock social media posts. Uh, one of our team members puts together these really great graphics that they can post on social media. So we have like this full package that we sent out to all of our talent. Um, and then, you know, help them develop a launch plan worked, you know, to connect them with um, Martin and others. And, and, and it's really been a great process thus far. Um, and we still have a lot of runway, which is really nice. So, so the, like Daniel mentioned, it doesn't wrap the sweepstakes doesn't wrap up until the end of March and the, uh, event itself is on April 4th. So we still have plenty of runway here to, you know, get it out to a wider audience, add more talent. If they would like to come on board, anybody, um, is welcome to, you know, join the plat join the initiative and become a part of the campaign, um, and, and raise money for a great cause. So, um, we're really excited and we have some really cool promotional stuff in the works here um, with some great partners um, that should be coming out in the next few weeks. So we're really excited about that. Yeah. And the link, since I got to get the link in before, the link oh, is yeah. letsengage.com slash MLK. So just go to letsengage.com slash MLK and you can see it. I literally was just about to ask that question. You stole my there question. You go. That's why we're on the same page. That's it. So you're a pro. You literally, we're going to steal. You stole my question. No, but um, playing off of that. So that's unbelievable and the power of what we do and as an industry and in entertainment and sports is the ability to give back and create those goodwill moments for folks and that's what i love about being in this industry for the last 18 years is those type of touch points that we can create yep is this your guys first foray into that and like my i guess this is a two-part question what's next for engage like where do you guys go from here you've clearly yeah. built up this roster you've you've kind of you've already not i said Conquer might be the wrong word, but are really knocking down the doors to open in the entryways for businesses and huge corporations to get to high profile athletes and celebrities. What's next for you guys? Yeah. So I Daniel, think both of those. You want me so, to take the first part and you I take got the it. second? I okay. think so. I think first of all, in terms of impact and is this our first foray? I mean, Jake, how many times do we get people who will reach out to you? We just got one who heard Jake speak three years ago and was still so inspired that they wanted to bring him into their company. So I think Jake and I saw that like the power of speaking, because that's originally how this business started. It actually did have a huge impact. Like, look, I there's so many startups, you know, want to make the world a better place through XYZ, right? 
I don't think that was ever really a core part of our mission. For us, it was just, you know, we were passionate, both Jake and I were, and then later Noah, about helping talent get the word out, share their message. Because I like, I mean, look, I love being able to go to all of Jake's speeches and hear his story because every time it gets me fired up, it gets me motivated. So I saw the power of that. Um, so while this is our first, so while this is, you know, our first instance doing a campaign like this of this scale and of this size, the idea of like impact is something I've been focused on for a long time. And I think Jake, you'd probably agree that you've been focused on since you were 12. I'm um, just seeing the power of your story. So we really wanted to give people a platform to do more of that in terms of what's next for us. I think it's about growing everything we're currently doing and just finding more and more partners to come on board. I mean, obviously there are some things we can't disclose yet, um, but we have a, 2021 is going to be a year of hopefully some major partnerships announced with leagues and teams and partners there. So 2021, what's next for Engage? I mean, we'll probably start raising our Series A in March, which we're really excited about, even though I hate raising money. That's another topic. Um, but we'll you probably just, start you just have to have a lunch and someone just gives you cash. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's not really how it works. Um, but, go ahead, Jake. As long as you don't drop the plate. As long as I don't drop the plate. We always joke there's nothing, as a small side tangent, there's nothing worse than like sitting down, having a whole investor meeting, going through everything, and at the end, they just want a picture with Jake. That's how I know that nothing's ever going to come of it because that's all they were there for in the first place. Um, so yeah, small tangent. But I think we're really focused on just growing our partnerships and doing more of what we're doing. Like now that we're coming through the pandemic with in-person stuff coming back, we're just focused. We have some other campaigns in the pipeline, um, so, some other really exciting things to keep an eye out for. So it's just about we finally figured out what works and what allows us to grow. And now we just need to do as much of that as physically possible. I don't know, Jake, Noah, did I, I, uh, I miss it. Only thing there. I would add, only thing I add is we're never going to stop adding talent. So yeah. we're going to continue to add talent to the platform. You know, there's endless talent out there and yeah. um, endless stories. So we're going to always continue to add. Absolutely. Yeah. I would just, I would just add um, that. I think, you know, it's, what's really cool. I know we talked a lot about what we did during this whole time of, um, you know, social distancing and, and not having any uh, in-person events. I think once that comes back online, I, I, I cannot, I can only imagine what the world is going to be desiring to do. And that is, you know, as many in-person events as possible. How do we get as many, you know, um, people with our, with in-person talent and doing cool events and stuff. So I think what's going to be really fun and I, I hope it, it, it comes this year at some point, but Look, I mean, we, we've kind of set up almost like a powder keg here. That's it's uh, all we need is a little match from uh, in-person events. And I think it's going to go off. That's no, I mean, look, it's hit from your mouth to God's ears, Jake, because our industry <laughs> and the one I work into is is dying for that. And I think the I think that you're right. The bottle will pop. And when people can go back to, to concerts and gather in mass mass gatherings again, because we've been just so used to having the ability to go and do that as we please to have that taken away for almost a year and a half is weird, right? Society is yeah. not accustomed to this. We've never gone through something like this. So sports and music, I think will come back with a vengeance. Um, Jake. So just, we'd be remiss not to, to revisit your, obviously your intro and your story of how this all came about your perseverance. I remember it vividly of when the story first came to about when you, when you first took the field for USC oh. as a blind long snapper, oh. It's obviously unbelievable ability to overcome anything in life it showcases. I don't want to hear anybody really complain about what they're dealing with, with, with what you did. How the hell did you become a good long snapper 
what what made what drove you motivated you after you were diagnosed and you and you lost your sight like i saw p carroll was crying i mean you you built that relationship how the hell did this all happen buddy yeah well i mean again you know back in 2009 when i lost my eyesight i was obviously dealt quite a uh, a conundrum of how to continue to live the rest of my life you know only being a 12 year old realizing i had high school and college and a career and you know everything in front of me still and so I did not want blindness to be an excuse or a reason why, you know, I look back at my life when I was 60 or 70 years old, you know, I accomplished nothing or I didn't do what I wanted to do. And so I just kind of went to the drawing board and like kind of we talked about in starting a business. It was kind of like starting life in the sense of, hey, I, I'm not I'm not going to have my sight anymore, but what can I still do? How can I do it? Who are the people that are going to be there helping me do it? Um, and obviously... One of the most important things was continuing to be a straight A student and taking, you know, my education seriously. Um, but another big part of my life, um, you know, as you kind of obviously what my story revolves around is sports. And that was both golf and football. Um, and I kind of made it a, a goal of mine just, again, not to let blindness rob me of the experiences I wanted to have in those sports. And so I continued to play uh, both golf and football. Football really kind of took a back seat at least for the first two years of my high school experience, just because I did not follow through on my goal and my desire to um, not let blindness rob me of the passions. I actually did let blindness rob me of two years of, of high school football because I played at a very elite um, level here in, in Southern California, one of the best leagues in all of the country. So it was, it was really competitive tackle football. Um, and I just really didn't think there was a position out there for me that I could really contribute and, and play. Until I came upon the log stamping position. And once I came upon that, you know, I really wanted to find a way to be out there and really find, you know, not again, as I mentioned, you know, the regret aspect of it, not looking back on high school and, and regret not playing the, the sport I love. And so sure enough, learned how to long snap the entire summer going into my junior year. Every day I was out there for an hour, had no idea what I was doing at first. You know, I really had to to learn. Um, and trust me, I, I don't think any coach thought I would show up after seeing me in May. Um try to long snap they didn't think i'd show up back in august knowing how to but sure enough i did and i, I earned my uh, starting position on, on my varsity team and um snapped for every pat and field goal both my junior and senior seasons and um it was just was a really really awesome you know experience in my life to find a way you know and and, and knowing that if there is a will there is a way you know you you have to have that will first and then you know you find that way through passion and work ethic and a support system that's willing to find that way with you. Um, and for me, again, I understood I would never be a starting quarterback. I never, you know, I understood I would never be a starting receiver out there playing football. Okay. I'm not, you know, I'm not lying to myself and having these pipe dreams, but that didn't mean I had to sit in the stands for four years at high school either. I, you know, I could contribute in some way. I could find a way to get out there somehow. And so that's what I did. And, and because of that, you know, my relationship with USC prior and always wanting to go to USC, Coach Sarkeesian at the time, um, who, you know, when I was transferring from high school into college, contacted me. He had seen me snap out, you know, in, in high school just because, again, we, we played at such an you know elite school and an elite league. He most all, a lot of college coaches were at our games. And so he, he had seen me. He understood, you know, this wasn't some type of joke. You know, I could actually snap a football. And because of that, he you know he said, if you're planning on coming here, I, I can't imagine why we wouldn't have you on the team. Like there's you know, why, why not come actually snap on the team? And once I knew that was on the table, man, there was no other college experience. <laughs> That's uh, it. You were going to you. You were going to be a Trojan. 
I was going to be a Trojan and play on that team, which, um, you know, I, I never, not, never thought was, was going to be, you know, possible, you know, growing up as a kid, I, I never, never imagined myself in that uniform, but there I was in that uniform and it was just an awesome four years. I mean, a lot of hard work, a lot of, you know, overcoming opinions of people and in the, if I could do it or not and everything that goes along with that. But it just was, um, it was great to have a support system out there from, from my, you know, coaches and, and from my uh, teammates and just, again, it wasn't, it wasn't anything more than just being a college football player. And, and that was the most special part about it. It's an amazing story, man. And then like, I, like I said, I vividly remember when it all happened and the, the stories that came out from it. And I, I just, your story and Engage's story and Daniel and Noah, you guys literally are the epitome of what we talk about on this podcast and why we actually quite frankly started this podcast was for folks out there who are looking to chase their dreams to understand that it, it takes effort, it takes attitude, and it takes a lot of hard work. You can't just say it. You actually have to go out and do it. And uh, uh, kudos to all three of you for wh- how far you've come at such a young age and and obviously Jake overcoming what you've had to overcome in life to, to have this happen. And I know you guys, Daniel, I know I kind of joke around about hitting the lottery, but a lot of people hit that lottery and blow that fortune really quickly. So the fact that you've taken it and turned it into what you've already made and it's I am now, now that I know all about everything you guys have done, I can't wait to watch where this thing goes because it seems like there is nothing that's going to get in any of your ways. So very much congratulations to you guys. I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your story. I want you guys to take one more second to, to tell people where they can find you again. Um, reach out to either one of the, any three of you if, you if you're open to having our listeners reach out to you yep. guys too. Job opportunities that are coming up. Obviously, everyone in the COVID world wants to know about that. Yeah. Um, but thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing all this today. Yeah. No, th- thank you, Chris. I mean, this was. Yeah. Thank a, you for having us. This, and, was a, uh, this was a blast. And our, no, I'll let you uh, give your soul or give uh, engage your social and then we can. Daniel, Daniel actually is probably the only 20 year old in America that doesn't have social media, but um, we can say that mine is at Jake Olson 61. No, you can give yours and obviously give engages. Yeah, um, you can find me at Noah Schwartz with two Z's um, and then let's engage, let's underscore engage on all social medias is where you can find us. Um, I just want to add one thing before we go. Jake was being modest when describing himself, both as his skills as a quarterback and as a golfer. I know as a receiver um, for Jake that he can throw a pretty accurate spiral. You can check it out on his Twitter. Um, And also for anybody that golfs, it's rather demoralizing when he pumps a 320 yard drive by you um, without eyes. So I would suggest that you you watch on YouTube and watch him golf as well. It's incredible. (laughs) I don't need to feel bad about my golf game more than that's what I and also in terms of a reach, yeah, I don't have any social media. I have LinkedIn. But if anyone wants to email me, I'm always happy to chat. I'm uber responsive. My email is just daniel at letsengage.com. So very responsive. Um, we're always looking for interns, for good people. Businesses move forward because of people willing to do the work. So always, always looking to add more of those people to the team. Same goes for me. Shoot me an email at noah at letsengage.com anytime. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. Um, Looking forward to keeping in touch with you guys, and don't be a stranger. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks for having us.